0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and we actually have a special guest, and I'm really looking forward to this one, so I'm going to play a fly on the wall for the majority of this episode.
1: All right. I think you'll have some questions, and I'd love you to change your mind, but whatever you want to do. Our guest today is Marin Beckeret, and he's known as the Sherlock Holmes of funnels and conversions. Uh, Marin has the unique background and ability to find the murderous links in your digital sales process and fix them. And when he combines that with his copywriting, you get outsized conversions and record profits. Now, I know all this because Marin is a mentoring client of mine. I've seen the kind of Sherlock Holmes detective work he does and the results he's gotten for clients. And Marin can do what he does because he's a dedicated student of buyer behavior during the sales process. He uses software skills, and he's a copywriter but he uses software skills to track how buyers respond to every step of the sales funnel and he makes adjustments accordingly. But we're not going to talk about that, only incidentally we might, but we're not going to talk about that mostly today. Uh, Today he's going to talk about the horrible crimes against marketing. He sees people committing all the time, often not knowingly or intentionally, but the results are the same. No matter how you kill the sale, after all, you still miss out on the money you would have otherwise made. So, Maren, welcome, and thanks for taking time to share with us what you found in your investigations.
2: Hey, David. So cool to finally be on the show, and uh, it's just a surreal experience, and I'm excited to share all my findings.
1: Great. So before we hear from our detective, though, I'd like to report something that I've discovered myself. Copy is powerful you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Marin, let's jump into it. I know we got a lot to cover. Could you give us a description of how these seven serial killers can take the life out of marketing promotions and why so many otherwise good marketers miss them or or don't even think about them at all.
2: So uh, what's really interesting about these seven serial killers, uh, and they're serial because they keep coming up, but the thing is, the first three, and those are the ones I think we're going to discuss today, have really nothing to do with the copy per se, but stuff that happens... Behind the scene in the planning in the in all various areas that we'll discuss that basically screw the campaign up even before it goes live and it goes live and it doesn't have a chance to work and what I see a lot of clients who come to me do they come and say like we need a copywriter, right this campaign isn't working we need better ads and I start looking into it and no, it's not the copy that needs to be fixed it's not the ads or the creative or any of that there's just A couple of things that I see coming up again and again and again, and if you have one of these serial killers lurking in your campaign, you can be sure they will murder your conversions regardless of how good your copy is.
1: Okay, that's pretty strong stuff. Now, I think we're going to go into maybe two of the serial killers today. And if I can talk into coming back next week, we'll go to the third one. But listeners can get a special report with all seven of them. I think you're going to give us information at the end of today's show, right?
2: Yeah, we'll have a special URL where people can download this report for free. Just, you know, as a gratitude for your awesome show and for the change it's making in copywriters' lives. And uh, we'll have it at the end of the show.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. So let's get right into your um, first serial killer, Sherlock Holmes, in this marketing murder gang, you identify this one as the case of the yawn-inducing offer. Boy, just hearing the word yawn makes me want to yawn. I better snap out of it. Okay, so, <laughs> so you say this all starts with one key mistake, and what is that?
2: So it's funny because this one mistake has nothing to do with the targeting and it has nothing to do with the product you're promoting. Uh, But if you goof this one thing up, you're setting yourself up for complete failure. And it's such a common blunder. And as I said, you can have the best product in the world, but your campaign would still fail if your offer is boring, if it causes people to yawn. And we're gonna define in a moment how is the offer actually different than the product itself. But if your offer doesn't excite the customer, you know, get their blood pumping and makes them say, Hey, I need this in my life right now, then really there's nothing you can do to to save this campaign. And an offer is something that people need to pre-plan before the first word of copy is written, not
1: after. Okay, let me let me stop you here because when you say boring and exciting, I mean all three of us have some tangential at least relationship to the entertainment world and the entertainment industry you're not talking up you're not talking about an offer that's funny or clever or dramatic right you're talking when you say boring, you kind of mean off target right something that doesn't you know
2: well when I say boring, I mean the offer most people default to, which is if you pay me x amount of dollars, i'll give you this product, this service, I will do this for you. Like, Even if you get super, super targeted in who are you promoting this offer to, and even if whatever it is that you're offering is exactly what they want, in most niches, you're going to be facing competition that is making exactly the same offer. And therefore, the offer becomes very boring. It's yawn-inducing. People have heard it all before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really people miss about this. It's more than just the targeting. is. How do you dress your product in a way that sets it apart from all the other products or all the other services? Okay, so
1: I, I, get, I get this. In, in general, you're saying people can have perfectly good products that their customers like, but perfectly boring offers, and that'll kill their sales. That, that's, in short, what you're saying, right? Exactly. Okay. Could you give us an example and show us how to go about fixing this kind of offer?
2: Sure. So uh, let's say one of my clients will call her Sarah. She came to me. She had a really, really, really interesting seminar where she basically helped people become money coaches, which means she trained people on how to help their clients get out of debt, right? And her offer was pretty much, you know, if you pay me X dollars, I will show you how to become a money coach. And most of the world responded to it by, all right, whatever, and moved on. And she came to me actually desperate for new sales. She had no cash flow happening and she was just stuck, stuck, stuck. And I went with her and she came to me like we need better copy for this money coach thing. And I was like, No, we're not gonna talk about being a money coach. We're actually gonna first understand what are we really offering. Because the thing is, people never, never buy your product, they buy what your product does for them they buy the end result that the product gives you so i always start with my first question what burning desires does your product fulfill and when i explained it to sarah we figured well if somebody becomes a money coach because of certain things going on in the industry well they could make more money and they could have more freedom because they could work from home which would also mean they had more free time, and they increased their financial safety, and they were even you know able to be better people in their minds and in the minds of society, because when you help a family get out of debt, you know you did something good, you increased your karma, and, and you made a world a better place. And all of those things aren't they immediately more fascinating than, "I will show you how to be a money coach?":
1: Yeah, they are. At at least, at least to the person who hasn't already decided, I want to be a money coach and I just need to find the best training, which is not most people.
2: Right. And this is something that uh, is going to come up in the the second uh, killer we're going to talk about. Yes, there's like people listening. Yes, there's always going to be a few prospects that are already at the bottom of the funnel. They know they have a problem. They know who you are. They know you have a solution. They know what your product does and they want your product. Awesome. But most people don't have enough of these people. And the question is, how can we manufacture more of these people at a price we can't afford.
1: Right. In other words, how can, how can we get the leads without you know, bu- you know emptying the bank account?
2: Yeah, so, for sure.
1: So you, you said that you have some other questions besides what burning desires do they have. And I, I thought that was really great, where, where you basically you, you talked about the benefits of this, but they weren't just sort of like throwing darts at a dartboard benefits. These were things people really wanted that and you connected the dots between becoming a money coach and being able to do all these things feel all these things you know have experienced life this way that was great so uh what are what are some other questions and could you give us
2: and thanks david and i just want to add if people struggle with finding you know real burning desires they should check out your book cuz you list all the uh, immediate suspects a Sherlock Holmes would look at at you know which desires is this product hitting, and then it's the copywriter's job to actually ask these questions and not just accept what the client thinks the product does, but really to dig deep. And that's the second thing I do. Once the client says, "Well, it helps do this, this, and that," I ask them, "Well, how does it specifically do this thing?" Right, because. We live in a world where we can't make blanket statements anymore unless we're politicians. And you need to get really specific if you want to stand out. And like, for example, we said one of the benefits was you could uh, enjoy more freedom. And that kind of ties into because it's so easy to do and it doesn't take a lot of time. So I said, well, specifically, how hard is it? How hard is it to get started as a money coach? And then Sarah said, well... You know, the number one challenge people have is getting a client and getting started. But the way I run my seminar, I make sure everybody goes home with at least one paying client already. And this starts getting interesting really quickly. Like now, it's, now you're competing against other offers in the financial freedom niche and actually getting attention.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really good. So sometimes it is digging deeper and asking those questions prospects find so annoying course, my favorite mm-hmm. one is when you ask them a question, they say, "Oh, no one would be interested in that." And and I, I, I know that boom, I've hit the bullseye. That's it. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've struck gold with with uh, no one would be interested in that. But sometimes it's the most interesting thing. Okay, um, are there other questions? There are, right?
2: Yeah, so there's two other main questions that it's kind of like a, a top down um, research that you, you get, top down investigation that you do. And after you covered like what burning desires and how specifically does the product improve those on, on those burning desires, the next question is what would make this offer like the biggest no brainer in history? And clients hate this question because sometimes the answer is, uh, it really isn't the biggest no brainer in history. Like it's mm-hmm. just another blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you say, well, we need to fix that. We need to find a way to make it a huge no brainer. And for this product, the no brainer aspect was you could work half time and be making the same salary as you're making your full time job, but you can do it from anywhere you want and you could reach that milestone in like 6 months and you know suddenly people who are looking for like they just lost their job and they're looking for a replacement this becomes a huge no brainer it's like am i going to take a course about how to do e-commerce on amazon or am i going to take something that i can reasonably replace my income in 6 months
1: yeah that's that's pretty good now you make it sound so simple which i appreciate but i I'd like to well I'm going to say point out but I'm going to ask you to to verify and explain you didn't just come up with those three or four qualities of making this a no-brainer by saying after they get over their hissy fit about there's no way I can do this uh and and then they start to cooperate you probably had to um, do a lot of investigation go go after a lot of dead end leads is that true
2: Yeah you this is where you need to actually start reading testimonials from past clients and ask for emails that people sent. And I'll tell you, David, when you like when you do this for a client who hasn't worked with somebody at your level yet, and their testimonials are still verbatim what people said, and they haven't helped them give better testimonials, they're the most boring thing in the entire world to read. They go on and on on tangents forever, and you just keep reading. With an average client, I would read I don't know, about 80, 90 full pages of whatever documentation I can find. And I'll just go with a highlighter and point out the stuff that's, that is actually interesting. And then I would have another conversation with my client and say, Hey, um, doesn't that said, you know, they took the course and this happened. Do you remember this lady? Do you remember this man? What is their story? Is that common? Is that uncommon? Can we talk about it in our marketing? And it takes a lot of back and forth that some clients find a nuisance because they're like, I, I just want, you know, you know, just write a damn email, just create a damn sales page. Right. And I always tell my clients, look, the reason you contacted me is because you contacted, I don't know, half a dozen copywriters so far, and all of them did what you wanted to do. Now we're going to do what I want to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and then you get some results. Now, that, that's a good story because... Uh, especially people who haven't done this themselves or worked with someone like you or me or Nathan, uh, they have no idea. And they they think a copywriter is sort of like um, a machine tool operator, you know, just, and then all of a sudden, you know, the copy pops out. And you know what? All all of us can do that, but not if you want to get really good results.
2: Right. And I mean, there's so many courses and programs out there that, basically promise you, you know, can't copy its templates. You can just put it in and it comes out and it works and it looks good, but it doesn't really convert. And it doesn't really convert because maybe all the sentences are in the right order and they're great, but the offer sucks. Nathan, I hope you don't need to edit it out later.
1: No. <laughs> the offer is not good. No, we, we can say anything on this podcast. We, we tend to stay away from politics and religion, but we can talk about anything. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that I saw yesterday on Facebook somebody was, um, I think, very drolly, tongue-in-cheek uh, posting something where you could become a, a certified copywriter in seven days. So you know, why why read all these books? Why get mentoring? Why go to seminars? You know, why get why get Copy Chief? I mean, what's the point? You can just just get your certification. You'll be ready to go and. So then that's how you become one of those six other copywriters, right?
2: Yep, yep. And uh, I got a similar email today saying, you know, everything Eugene Schwartz, uh, Vic Schwab, and Gary Halbert said is wrong for the internet. Oh, I see.
1: Yeah, boy, I don't, I don't even want to go there. But uh, <laughs> I, I would
2: disagree. <laughs> all right, so uh, I'm just okay. waiting for all the clients I'm going to get from these copywriters who believe in this nonsense. <laughs> well,
1: exactly. You see them as a benefit. Yeah, they're they are disappointing clients, so the clients will come to you. Okay, so let's go. Are, are there? Are there any more? I think there, there might be one yeah, more. So for
2: finding the, the offer, there's we went through three like top 10 questions, which were what is the burning desire? How specifically does the product fulfill that burning desire? What can we say about this offer that would make it a no-brainer, a total no-brainer? Like what can we add? What can we bundle? And then the last question is, how can we eliminate all risk? Right? Because nothing scares the prospect really then choosing I think the that wrong scares product.
1: the market or too, it even scares me a little bit how do, How do you do that
2: well I, I I kind of have a rule for myself where if my client is not willing to make a guarantee that has balls, big hairy balls, I'm out. If mm-hmm. they don't believe passionately enough in the product, why should I why should the why should a prospect believe in it mm, and in uh, in Sarah's case she was actually willing to say, if you do everything I tell you, and if you follow the template and you follow the system, I'm willing to guarantee you'll make at least $20,000 over the next 12 months. And if you don't, I'll give you a refund, everything you paid for this seminar. That's
1: pretty good, right?
2: And suddenly we went from, if you pay me $10,000, I will host this two-day seminar for you to if you have $1,000 today, because we added a payment plan. So if you had $1,000 today, you can earn $20,000 extra over the next 12 months working just one hour a day or your money back. Now, this is where I would immediately say, copy is powerful. You need to get a lawyer to vet all these things. Oh, and yeah. you can't make this kind of core offer to call traffic on Facebook, right? They're not ready for right. it. They don't know who you are. Um, but you still want to figure out for the people who know you and are ready for your core offer, how can you make one they just cannot let go of until they send you the money?
1: Okay, a, a couple, this is wonderful. A couple key points I'm pulling out of this. One is the stronger, for, not from the copywriter's point of view only, but from the marketer's point of view, the business owner's point of view, the stronger your confidence and your belief in your product is, the more you're willing to shoulder all the risk, number one. And number two, if you're going to shoulder all the risk, qualify the hell out of your oh, yeah. traffic. Yeah. So, you know, oh, yeah. Only, only get people who are in, in your market who, who aren't, aren't looking for an opportunity to rip somebody off.
2: There are more people- than that, I yeah. also am a big believer in conditional guarantees. Like in this case, it wasn't if you take the seminar, I guarantee you'll make $20,000. No, it was if you take the seminar and do all of these things and reach out if it's not working and this and this and that, and it doesn't work, then I pay you back.
1: Sure. And and yet, really, that's still making it risk-free. I mean, it's it's risk-free as long as you're willing to do your part. It's not like I might refund your money. It's like, I will refund your money if you do your part. I like that.
2: Right. The definition of risk-free, I think, is will the prospect be able to say to his wife or husband, honey, you know, there's no risk here. There's nothing to lose. If the answer is yes, you got it.
1: I I like that. That's a really good good definition. And of course, they are going to be talking to their husband or wife or whomever or you know maybe if they're still living in their mom's basement their mom or Mm -hmm. whoever okay so um then then there's a second serial killer called sir slapped a lot and Mm. and uh could you
2: talk about him yeah so sir slapped a lot his his real name is robert um los angeles right well, you know, you'll hear the story and you'll understand why I hate Los Angeles. <laughs> so what? Robert had a really weird way of trying to meet women, right? He would go into any random California bar he could find and he would just walt- waltz to the first woman he sees and he would just say, hi, my name is Robert. I live, I live just down the street and my roommate is out of to- town. Um, do you want to have sex with me? Yeah. And yeah. as you can imagine, that doesn't work very often. He so got slapped a lot, right? He got slapped a lot. And he would just be slap, and he would just walk up to the next woman. Because I'll give him this credit, he had perseverance. Yeah. So he would walk to another lady and say, do you want to have sex with me? Slap. And on and on and on, earning the name Sir Slapped A Lot. Mm-hmm. And I asked him once, like, dude, what what's the deal? I know you're from Los Angeles and you're weird. but..." Like, why do it this way? And he just said, well, you know, it works. One in a hundred, one in 200 times, eventually you get lucky. And in a way, this creepy behavior is exactly how most people run their online marketing. Now, those who are more advanced, like listeners of this show, They already realize that you can't go and offer sex to random people. You need to date them first. And the way we call dating as copywriters is funnels, right? You offer them content. You give them a lead magnet. You give them a lost leader offer, and then you sell the core offer, aka dating. The problem is, although so much has been written about funnels that literally any client I get these days, they have a funnel, but they typically have... One of these two problems, either the offers inside their funnel are yawn inducing, like we talked about previously, because it's not just the core offer. You can have a yawn inducing lead magnet and you can have a yawn inducing podcast episode. And I hope we're doing a good job in keeping people in a non-yawning mode today. I hope so. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, so that's one thing you need to have a... offers all throughout your funnel that are not not yawn-inducing. And I gave you four questions to figure that out. But then the second part is, what are you measuring? How do you know if your funnel is working or it isn't working? Because when people come to me, they typically come and say, I spent this much on Facebook and I'm not making enough sales. And that doesn't mean anything because they don't even know, what are you spending money on Facebook for? Like, they don't know if they're buying leads, doing retargeting. Um, They have no idea what's going on. And oddly enough, this mistake of trying to fix a system without figuring out what is the metric that is broken was even committed by the great Sir Sir Gary Halbert.
1: No, that couldn't be possible.
2: And that got Nathan's attention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What, What did Gary do? And what happened?
2: So... As a lot of people know, Gary wrote the you know the the one-page letter, the dear Mr. McDonald, um, with the family whatever its name was. Oh yeah, right now. the crest, the, uh, the the family crest, oh, coat yes. of arms, yeah, coat of arms, exactly. But what most people don't realize, unless they actually read the Gary Halbert letter, is that there were a lot of failures that led to that killer letter. And what Gary did for years was he would, you know, he flew to DC when I'm sure it was way more expensive or took the train, I don't know. To go to the Congress Library, to the Library of Congress, just so he could read the best books about copywriting. And he would read everything and he would try everything. And he would try the window envelopes and and the envelopes with teaser copy. And he would do all these things and try to improve the offer and try to improve the product. And nothing worked. Nothing worked. And, you know, he tells the story of, you know, there he was sitting in his dark house because he didn't have money to pay utilities. And there was no electric, no water running, and he was you know, down to his really last shot, if, if not already over it. And that's when Gary came up with the gun to the head mentality. And by doing that, he actually happened to fix the one metric that was broken, you see? Because the problem Gary had was not the copy or the offer or the, anything. The problem was that letters were not being delivered. And letters were not being opened. If people want to search for it, it's called the famous A pile, B pile um, lecture that Gary gave probably about a million times. And the thing is, even in today's modern day, people are still making these mistakes, whether it's their open rate that is really breaking the whole system up, or retention rates, or there's there's a bunch of things you know that could go wrong that people just don't know where to look. Do you want me to give you an example?
0: Uh, Nathan, do you you have a question or point? I just wanted to have you expand on, you mentioned the gun to the head mentality. I've heard this story, but for the listeners that don't know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. So the gun to the head mentality basically said, if you were writing this sales letter and if you weren't to make enough sales, there's a gun to your head and somebody would shoot you, would you still write this line of, of copy? Would you still use this smart-ass headline instead of something direct and powerful? Would you still use this weak guarantee? And that's how Gary figured that if he had a gun to his head, he would not send a letter that looked like marketing material. He would send a letter that looked like a personal letter. That's how he ended up solving his open rate problem. And um, yes, and that's how the -the gun-to-the-head mentality became a thing.
1: Well... That's good. Thank you. And one thing I wanted to ask about is, okay, so with direct mail, it's very easy to see. Like if you send third class mail, there have been news stories of postal carriers who don't like third class mail. And so they filled abandoned houses with them or, you know, they've thrown them in dumpsters. And then of course you get something you call junk mail. You don't open it. So you don't make it look like junk mail. You make it look like a personal letter. So if you can send it first class so that that's real clear you're not gonna lose a lot of traffic lose lose a lot of opens that way what what are the same what are the analogous things on the internet what are the things somebody should look for online in online marketing that are the same as the letter that doesn't get delivered or the letter that doesn't get opened
2: well, here's the interesting thing with the online world, right? We have such better ability to track everything. We don't need to settle for how many phone calls did we get, how many order forms were mailed back. We can look at really everything. So if I'm trying to help you, David, improve your um, mentoring sales page, right? Mm-hmm most copywriters would just say okay cool you know you hired me to do this here let's take a look at the sales page and see how can we improve it that's great and it's important but as i said it almost never is the real problem because say the sales page is as good as it can be how are you going to get traffic to it and how are you manufacture people who are ready to read it like if you go on google analytics and just advertise for you know people who search for copywriting mentor i doubt if there are many that search for that exact phrase mm-hmm. and because when i decided i wanted a mentor i already knew it was you it became it was a part of the package i wasn't walking around wondering who should be my mentor no it happened because you got on my radar earlier i heard you on your podcast i heard you on a million dollars mic program, and I heard all these stories about you, and you kept coming up in my life, and I kept hearing stories of how you help people, and I slowly started to realize, hey, I'm having these problems too. My awareness level was going up. So I went from being aware there's a problem to being aware there's a solution, being aware you are the solution. Now, yes, this could happen, you know you could hope that it would happen just naturally, or you could actually measure how it's working out. Because you could do what I do with my clients, which is to say, all right, David, you're on people's podcasts. That's great. Let's measure how much new visitors, how much new users are hearing your message. How many of them can we get to listen to another episode or to read another piece of content within a week, within two weeks, before they forget who you are? How many of them can we get to listen to four, five, six episodes, and we can measure how many episodes it takes or how many weeks it takes until somebody is actually ready to buy from you. And by then you've proven your strengths, you are top of mind, you are the obvious choice. And the cost of targeting that person was literally a fraction of trying to go for a keyword of somebody who's ready to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a mentoring program.
1: Okay so let me stop here. I, I appreciate all that about me. That's that's really good advice that I have yet to fully implement. <laughs> but what I also want to point out is you actually have ways of doing this. You actually ha- and you know uh, you you are you're working with people right now. You've figured out how to pixel YouTube traffic. You've figured out how to how to segment how much someone reads of a sales letter. Right. how much video they watch. So, and, when and, somebody
2: comes to one of my clients, I can. To, when somebody comes to a website, I can say, did they read all the way to the offer or did they not? And if they didn't, we put a different message to them than we would if they saw the offer. And if they started filling in an order form, it kind of is a difference between have they filled everything in but the credit card didn't process compared to they saw the order form and left immediately. Mm-hmm. And those are all metrics that unless you measure, and unless you have somebody who can set it all up for you so you can measure it, you're going to be shooting in the in the dark.
1: Yeah, and then when you measure it, you will pixel them differently or you'll somehow tag them differently and they will be getting a different sequence of messages from that point on until they maybe go further on the letter and then they'll get pixeled differently again, right? Correct. So So, all right, well, sir slapped a lot. I get it. So we've identified two of your serial killers, uh, the yawn-inducing offer, and sir slapped a lot. And you told me, I hope you can still do this, that you're offering a special report that identifies all seven serial killers that will be available to listeners of the Copywriting Podcast. Still true? And if so, how can I get it?
2: Well, still true if I can squeeze another interview with you, David, because I would love to share my next serial killer. But assuming I can squeeze that out from you... Uh, Yes, I'll make the report available at marketingkillers.com forward slash David.
1: Marketingkillers.com forward slash David. Okay, I'm going to try to do something I've never done. I've never done this before, and I'll never do it again. I'm going to try and put my arm through the internet all the way over to Israel to you, and you can twist it. And (laughs) and, and, uh, then, yeah, we'd love to have you on back next week. That would be wonderful.
0: All right, first of all, I want to say awesome interview. I learned a lot and I'm looking forward to the next one. And until then, make sure that you're checking out the copywriterspodcast.com. Subscribe, rate us, and review us on iTunes. And we'll catch you next time. See you next time.
1: Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode.